kids do as many drugs as possible. <laughs> no, don't do, don't don't do that. I can keep that suit. Yeah, doesn't fit me. So when's our next retreat? What next mission? We'll call you. All right. It's not a hug. I'm just grabbing the door for you. Hello, welcome back to the Waffle Press Movie Retrospective. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. I've had a couple different hosts over the last two episodes talking about the Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, I, I'm here to welcome back the original retrospective co-host, the one and only Matt Garingo. Matt, how are you, my friend? Welcome back. Oh, I'm doing just fucking perfect. Yeah. Yeah, things have really uh, turned around for me. Do you want to talk about it? And I have a very, I'm very optimistic about the direction of which my life and the world is going. That's that's great to hear. That doesn't really sound like like you, honestly. But I'm I'm glad. That's because it's a fucking lie. But <laughs> oh, I was going to say it's like a body snatcher um, uh, situation. Oh yeah, that, we could have done something yeah. with that. We talked but... about doing things for Matt's introduction, but we were just like, I don't know. We talk, we had like. I want to say we had seven fantastic ideas, but then we hit the we hit a wall because we're both crushingly lazy. <laughs> so none of so there's like seven or eight good ideas that aren't going to happen. We could still do one for later though, but that'll be for a separate film. Oh yeah, or you something special for the Patreon? People. Oh yeah, I don't know. There's another reason to get on that Patreon. Yeah. But, even though I don't see a fucking dime. To be fair, it basically just goes to the SoundCloud, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the podcast pays for itself and absolutely nothing else. So if you want to help us yes. send Matt money, go to the Patreon. So we need we need help. <laughs> you know who else needed help after two critically reviled entries in, in film critic circles was Spider-Man. Uh, that's only half a joke. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 wasn't even that poorly received, honestly. Uh, it's grown to be, like, poorly received, which, like, yeah, about time. Wake the fuck up. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man still is kind of, like, I don't know, people really softball that movie still. I'm like, that's fine. You know, people like what they like. Uh, I'm just surprised to see so many defenders. Yeah, but we live in a world... We live in a world where people are saying Endgame is one of the best films of the decade. Yeah, and it's like, you know, again, li so. like what you like, but don't talk to me about that ever <laughs> again. <laughs> like like what you like, but I'll never respect <laughs> you. <laughs> no, honestly. Not that you need the respect of me, but. Like, uh, for, for yeah. a while, I think uh, I wasn't trying too hard to convince you, but I was like, I, I want to do a Marvel retrospective someday. And the last two years have basically broken me and been like, I'm never, ever doing mm -hmm. that. Ever. So we're here to talk about Spider-Man Homecoming today, the 17th entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe instead. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, just trying to talk about one of these movies is perfect evidence of why we shouldn't do <laughs> an entire Marvel film retrospective. Because, uh... uh, yeah, it's a movie. And you don't regret sitting down to watch it. It's not a painful experience. You feel a couple moments of joy and then you leave. Hey, Peter. You coming tonight? I can't tonight. I got the Stark internship. What's up, guys? All right. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Like and subscribe. If you didn't like this episode, Yay. like and subscribe anyways because you might find something you do like. Uh, no. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Let's talk a little bit about the history of it. So, Andrew Garfield was 
basically out immediately after the Amazing Spider-Man two. Um, that that whole ship crashed and burned, which is again too bad. Like a really talented crop of actors in there. Everyone wanted Avengers money. Sony executives were like, "This is an Avengers level hit. We need this is going to be like a billion dollars. This is going to break a billion. We can feel it." And like it didn't happen, and it made less than Amazing Spider-Man. But I guess one thing was that like that movie like had like they like had like six different versions of that fucking movie, <laughs> and you can feel it. Oh my god, Jamie Foxx is in that movie. Uh, Academy Award um, winning actor Jamie Foxx and Paul Giamatti. And, like, we can go on and on. Like, that that cast is stacked, and people who wasted them in those movies should honestly be, like... I was going to say put in prison, but no. They should just... No, they, they, they should be shot. No, no, no. no. Oh. <laughs> Look, I mean, they suffered. Uh, they failed. Those those movies failed. They can go cry in their piles of yeah. money that they will never lose, because that's what happens when you reach a certain <laughs> level. Yeah, take that, rich executives. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe mm. to the Patreon, everyone. Uh, oh, yeah. Railing against the hypocrisies of our time. <laughs> I'm glad I'm yeah. back. Woo! <laughs> I'm glad I'm back to grab some hot truths. Uh, this fucking nonsense. I took a bunch of pills. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, this, this is great. This will be some, some prime internet content. Hashtag content creators. Hashtag SEO. Uh, so the race was on. To, to figure out what to do with Spider-Man. Drew Goddard was going to do a Sinister Six movie at one point, uh, which was apparently like this crazy pitch that involved Sandman. Spider-Man would have been a member of the Sinister Six in one of the drafts. They were going to go to the Savage Lands. Uh, they, he compared the relationship between Otto Octavius and Why Peter Why do they Parker. own the Savage Lands? Oh, no, that's the thing. Uh, no one knew if they owned the Savage Lands. He just wrote it because he was like, this would be fucking awesome. And I... I like Drew Goddard a lot, so I'm not gonna be like, yeah, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fight him on that point. Um, but he compared the relationship between Doctor Octopus and Spider Man as like Marco. Wait a Corleone. minute, what's Drew Goddard up to right now? Drew Goddard was hyping up to to do X Force after Bad Times at the El Royale, but then Fox mm. got folded into Disney, so that's up in the air. Which is even sadder when you look at how Sinister Six folded. Uh, and before that, he left Daredevil, an uh, early pre-production of season one, um, to go do Sinister Six. So for some reason... I'm sure that didn't upset any Disney executives that might still be there. Oh, yeah, certainly not. Uh, but just in case you were curious, uh, the universe is against Drew Goddard doing a comic book movie. What has he done recently? Uh, bad Times at the El Royale. Yeah, yeah, he did that. And isn't he isn't he supposed to be doing something else? Uh, he that I feel like won't happen um, now. Probably, but that's kind of his thing. He's uh, apparently his agent like hates him. Like these are what words that he said in an interview for Bad Times. It was like, oh yeah, my agent hates me because I only take on one project at a time. Yeah, so ah. that must be why it's kind of hard to get him on a lot of stuff. And I, I get that, you know, like dude, dude's making bank. Let him let him do what he wants, but. uh it it certainly makes like the long wait between his projects uh, more frustrating. Maybe he needs to get on the Star Wars train. Oh, hey, that that'd be something. That'd be good. I'd I'd like that instead of that fucking hack who made those Pirates of the Caribbean movies. <laughs> no, get Drew Garden to write it, and then uh, Gore Verbinski to direct it. Put Gore Verbinski in a closet. <laughs> no, and then you push that closet over a cliff. 
No, here's what you do. You, you go to Gore Verbinski and be like, you can only make 90-minute movies. That's it. We will give you I... all the money you need, but your movies have to be 90 minutes. Because then he will make masterpieces. If he keeps making two-and-a-half-hour-long movies, he'll never make a good movie again. I don't it's know. Just... I kind of like his long, arduous nonsense. No. All right. It's, not, it's never fun or engaging or interesting. I really loved Cure for Wellness. I know you did. All right. I know people do. And people like those amazing Spider-Man movies, as you heard yeah, recently. Like, like two of them. Um, and uh, Shout out to Tom all... Springer. Thank you for coming onto the show. Uh, oh, yeah. Can't replace me, motherfucker. <laughs> no one was um, trying to replace you. Oh, all these fucking interlopers came in. They're all on my shit. I got, I got their names. <laughs> fucking challenging me. Fuck you, replicant. <laughs> um. So the race was on to figure out what to do with Spider-Man franchise. Wait a minute. Mumblings. God Wait a damn minute. it, Matt. God damn it. You were saying something about Michael Corleone. <laughs> I want to hear that quote again. Okay. Drew Goddard apparently in some of the leaked Sony emails compared the relationship between Otto Octavius and Peter Parker as that of like uh, Michael Corleone, like the rise and fall, and uh, his wife whose character's name I cannot remember. Hmm. Um, oh god i can't that says something about the godfather because i can't remember her name too k k yeah 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 stop doing that hollywood people stop going like i want this movie to be like the godfather <laughs> we all want every movie to be like the godfather and it, they never are because that's the godfather stop this shit to be fair that was like in 2014 and then nothing happened so well, then, like, when we did the Man of Steel once, I mean, the Batman v Superman, when we talked about one of those idiots being like, we're going to do a Superman trilogy that's fucking like the Godfather. It's like, no, that's not how that works. Uh, and eventually, it's announced that Spider-Man will be rebooted in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And at the time, this is Marvel, like, I think that they're most creatively interesting. They're right in the high... Of Iron Man 3, Avengers, Captain America, the first Avenger. A, a movie that we've talked about before as not breaking box office or anything like that. But I still think one of their strongest standalone films. And this is pre... No, no, no. Actually, I'm sorry. I fucked up. This is after Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy. The Guardians, Guardians was the one that kind of made, I think, a lot of people, including myself, go, Okay, Marvel is maybe going to be trying some shit. And even Winter Soldier, which you can say what you will about that in retrospective, it felt like that even that took some chances. Like, there was some... Because, you know, the, the problem, I think, a lot of these films... Like, the question a lot of people were asking was, it felt like if they're all part of a shared universe, how are we going to keep telling interesting stories where their arcs can't be complete? And, like, Iron Man 3, like... I, I don't believe Iron Man 3 suffers from this, but people felt like it did because they didn't really understand that movie. <laughs> And then Thor The Dark World came out and it was like a whole lot of nothing. Oh, yeah. See, I even forgot to mention that. I was like, Iron Man 3 and Avengers. That's all that came before 2014. <laughs> <laughs> then I think with Winter Soldier and Guardians, it was like, hey, Marvel looks like they're going to try taking some chances. And then uh, Age of Ultron came out. And it was like, no, no, they're not. Uh, they took thematic chances on that one. And no, they then... didn't. That movie tried to have themes. It didn't take chances, it just tried to have them. Because after that, the Marvel films still go like, we're not about anything anymore. <laughs> well, 2016, like, just kind of really took the wind out of my sails. The next year brought me back, which we'll get into, obviously. But that one was kind of rough. Well, Civil War is a movie about nothing. So it's kind of like, that's our mission statement. 
And then the rest, it kind of feels like, oh, we gave it to these interesting directors and we let them do what they want because we know it won't matter once Endgame comes out. <laughs> yeah. It, instead of, like, their movie's not, like... Well, actually, no. No, that 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 is ultimately their, their problem, I think. Their movies don't build to anything. The characters are kind of, like, irrelevant after a single movie. Uh, it's just kind of like, we're doing this now over here. It's very rare, um, unless it's, like, the Guardians films... To, to have characters feel like they were who they were in the previous movie and that their narratives were actually continuing as opposed to, like, we are also here now. Uh, well, I don't give is... a fuck about narratives continuing. I would just like to have an arc in the films themselves. I, You know what? I still hold to the, the idea that most of them succeed at that. And they're not ambitious or anything like that. Well, most of their arcs are shit like, oh, you lost... Your power and confidence, and then by the end you get your power and confidence back. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, maybe you aren't supposed to be the hero, and then it's like, nope, you actually are. That's a lot. That's that's this movie too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's this one. It's not even like metaphorical. It's all very literal. Oh no, they're very literal. Like maybe you don't deserve to wear the suit. Yeah, which yeah. is a a thing we'll get into. But uh, you know what? You... I, I'm. I'm a little cooler with it here because it's Spider-Man. I don't know. I give a lot of leeway to Spider-Man as a character. But, yeah. Civil War, in retrospect, keeps getting worse for me. Like, I'm fully convinced that might be the part of the Marvel Universe where it really fell apart for me. There's stuff I still love. I'll go, like, on and on about Guardians all day. Um, but that's... I think the big problems start there from a certain set of these creatives. There, there are bigger problems to discuss, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, I know you want you want to make your shitty point about oh, it all went wrong there, but yeah, no, it's not where it all went wrong; it just went very wrong. <laughs> no, it's just when it all became apparent that there was maybe no so, this working. but that's not the point. That all of this is fucking childish. <laughs> yeah, but I like it. It's all pointless. <laughs> what are we doing? We're 15 Why minutes we, in. We haven't talked about homecoming at all. What are we? What are we doing? <laughs> it's like, oh, is Iron Man gonna fucking learn out of fucking the true meaning of Christmas? And it's like, who gives a shit? Iron Man three is like the best one. So, Iron no Man three is fine. Oh my god! I don't like. I, I've realized I don't like Iron Man because like, like every tech bro thinks they're Tony Stark. Oh god, that, that's that's like a byproduct, you know. He's not like Deadpool, no, where he's like inherently system, like obnoxious. It's the system working as intended. <laughs> this is exactly it's it's the way it's supposed to. There's nothing. I'm sure fucking our country loves it now that we can worship actual weapons. So Spider-Man went back to Marvel in 2015, <laughs> and eventually they announced Tom Holland as the the new Peter Parker Spider-Man. And that he would be introduced in Civil War. After going through some interesting choices. Oh, yeah. Do you want to talk about that point? Yeah, they were going to pick uh, the kid from Hugo. That's a good movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. Um, the kid in it was very good. And then he hasn't done anything since. He was in Ender's Game. Oh, I'm not yeah. stalling because I forgot his name. Asa um, Butterfield. Brian Butterfield. No. Was going to play... <laughs> Peter Parker, and then uh, he, like, tweeted about it, and then Marvel was like, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, can you imagine, like, having the role and being like, hey, you're gonna be Spider-Man, and then it's like, nope, because you fucked up, you idiot. <laughs> Which, I mean, kind of goes to show that, like, the Tom Holland, like, accidental spoiler thing is, like, it's it's mostly a joke. And I feel like everyone's kind of in on that now, but it, it's still cute, it's funny, it's charming. Uh, I, I like it. Are you serious? Mr. Stark, here's my report for tonight. I stopped the uh, Grand Theft Bicycle. Hey, could you do me a favor? Hold on to that. Is this anybody's bike? Oh, I helped this old lady and she bought me a churro. So, that was nice. What's funny about someone being inept at their job? I don't know. People seem to like it. Or like when he'll do uh, like a, a Facebook Live event or something like that. He'll be opening up a letter from Marvel and it's like the Far From Home title with a poster. And he'll be like, oh, shoot. And it's a, it's cute. It's fun. It's harmless. <laughs> There's nothing funny <laughs> about incompetence like that. <laughs> That's why people love The Office. It's everyone's incompetent in that show. Uh, no, you know what? That's that's perfect. I can't believe they when I when you when I think about it now, I can't believe he was like the second choice. You know, honestly, yeah. like I think he's a very good Spider-Man. Tom Holland's fantastic. Tom I, I, Holland. I really... Yeah, he, he's director great. Director of the Langoliers. <laughs> the guy who directed the Langoliers is named Tom Holland. Okay, the Fright Night guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, Fright Night, Child's Play, which is a great film. Thinner. Thinner. I haven't seen that one. The movie where it's like, a fat man can't stop losing weight. Oh. It's a horror. It's Stephen King wrote it. Oh, was that on the cocaine binge of the 80s? Um, no, you know what happened? Oh, that's when he tried acid. No, well, I mean, I'm sure he was doing drugs at the time, but he says that what happened was he got some sort of illness and the doctors were like, look, you got to lose weight to like deal with it. And Stephen King was resentful at the fact that he was being forced to lose weight. (laughs) So he wrote a book about it. Oh, yeah, and eventually John Watts of Cop Car and Clown was announced as the director, John Francis Daly, and the other guy who he writes and directs with also uh, wrote the initial treatments for, for Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, a, a talented group of white men who make very good movies. And I, I like them, and I think they made a good movie here. Aren't there uh, like six writers attached to this, though? Yeah, but they get. I think they get like the main credit mm-hmm. of it. I mean, all the Marvel movies go through like a dozen people. We just don't hear about it, you know. I guess. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and sometimes they don't even tell people what movie they're in or what they're supposed to be doing. They're like, "Yeah, just walk over here and fight that." It's a. It's a you can't tell you what it is because then spoilers. or you're or you're Gwyneth Paltrow and you just don't pay attention. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like you know what? I'd probably do the same thing too in these movies. She does that for, like, for everything, but, like, I would do what it these... too busy. She's too busy shoving the goop in her eyes. <laughs> or, like, crashing into people while skiing. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why that made myself laugh. It's stupid. Because <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> that should be her cameo in, the, in the, one of the other Spider-Man movies. Just, like... Whoosh. Now, every press conference, any of these Marvel movies should feature Gwyneth Paltrow just coming in on skis and hitting someone. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, let's just let's just jump into the movie. The production's not that interesting. It's just yeah, they, it, they it really it. isn't. Yeah, it no, really they, isn't. They made it. Um, people like Diego was like, we got to start talking about the production history. And I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's your show, Captain. <laughs> I like John Watts. I like that cop car. Uh, this movie is a Marvel movie, though. Like when it comes down to like the look and style and like. How there's not a single memorable like image in it. <laughs> yeah, there's, you know, there's there's more in this than the average Marvel film. I had some there's some moments that I'm like, eh. And I would honestly say the humor here works better than in most. It feels more natural than most Marvel films. This movie is re- almost relentlessly charming and cute to the point where like it's it's very easy viewing. Like, it's it's something I could have on in the background and be like, oh, yeah, I really like this movie. Or I could tune in completely, and I feel like I'm, I'm actually getting something out of it. I'm, I am I was very happy to see that, for me, this movie held up a lot. I, I, I really like uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. It is. It's a very nice film. That's it, I, everyone. I know, I know. I, like, you, I want to find more, but it's just like, I don't know, some of, I think Endgame, like, fucked me up. Because it's like, now I really don't care. Like, I'm like, well, alright. Fine. That's that's the one you wanted to end on? That's... Those are the choices you made? Okay. No, it's not, it's not even that. I don't... It's not, like, anything that happened in it that, like, bugs me. Oh, it's everything that happens in it bugs me, but go off. I know, I know, you, I know. Fucking fight it's, everyone. It's like, I just don't care. Like... It, like, hit me that I'm like, oh, none of this matters to me. <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck what happened. Like, it was like, oh, it was cool to see everyone. They all did their thing. And it was like, yeah, some fun moments. And that was the time heist was creative. But I also don't care what happens to any of these people. I, I like uh, Ant-Man in it. Yeah, but I don't care about Ant-Man. Oh, I, I care about they're, Ant-Man. They're all fairly likable. I mean, you know, but I don't, they don't matter. <laughs> they, they, they hold no significance to me in my life in any way. <laughs> like, I, I relate to Spider-Man sometimes in, like, these movies, because I'm like, you know, everyone has struggled with something like that. I, you know, it's a little weird now because Spider-Man's back to being in high school and I'm an adult, so I don't relate to that. But what do you care about in Spider-Man Homecoming? Um, the villain very clearly voted for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Which I find, um, uh, I really like uh, Michael Keaton in this. Michael Keaton as Birdman. 2. He will 0. always be Birdman. <laughs> we were always Birdman. <laughs> My favorite thing ever was that someone was joking about, like, Inyaritu, like, after winning the Oscar for uh, Birdman, and then Michael Keaton gets cast as a wait, Birdman in a superhero wait, no, movie. No, no, he, di- he didn't win for Birdman. He didn't win for Birdman. What the fuck is the full title? No, uh, fuck off. Birdman. No. And the fucking, the unexpected virtue of ignorance or something. Jesus, yeah, that was it. Yeah, you have to say the full title when I were talking about I'm not doing shit for that, man. Well, I just imagine him, like, calling Michael Keaton on the phone and being like, Michael, what are you doing? He's like, I'll give you ignorance. <laughs> you see these paychecks, Alejandro? <laughs> Not taking them as ignorance. 
Alejandro, I brought in a whole new crew for this. <laughs> I gotta pay them. They got families. <laughs> uh, no, I really like the vulture in this. I like his kind of uh, bomber jacket getup. Oh um, yeah. I don't mind the the connection to like the Avengers stuff in in this movie. Like I, I know that turned a lot of people off. Uh, but given how they introduced Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like, take it or leave it, I, I take it at, at this point. I gotta be honest, I actually, as somebody who really doesn't care about that stuff, I liked it here for some reason. And I think it's because he, Spider-Man, like, the whole thing of this is that, you know, he's, like, on the, he's low on the totem pole as in terms of superheroes. Like, they don't let him do anything, he's, like, they consider him kind of a goof, uh... And so when he interacts with this stuff, it's like, you know, what an average person interacting with it, as opposed to, like, Thor, where it's like, you know, it doesn't matter what he sees, he sees shit like this all the time. I really like all the, the Marvel stuff in this, too, and I think, in a weird way, this might be, like, some of the best world building of the series. Like just oh, the yeah. Way, yeah. Like, uh, like, Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner's on the wall of, like, these great scientist minds at uh at peter parker's school like it's not mentioned it's not a point being made it's just like oh yeah that's in the background to like fill out this narrative better captain america um in pe videos like that's it's it's cute but it like it fills out the world pretty sure this guy's a war criminal now but whatever yeah (laughs) the only mention of that fact after the civil war which is yeah, weird, that's, but whatever. That's the biggest consequence of it, is that <laughs> Hannibal Burris mentioned it. Oh, man. I, I really wish he would show up again as a villain, but like a really lazy, casual villain. Not yeah. even out to destroy the city. He's just like, man, I got bills. I got <laughs> overdue parking tickets. I got, a, I got a problem with someone. Yeah, you know, like, imagine if the Infinity Gauntlet, like, launched on his lap. You know, like, during a fight with Thanos, and he's just like, whack. Whack. Yeah. <laughs> That's a movie I want to see. Eric Andre as J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, that would be the shit. There you go. Yeah. And then Hannibal's just there. <laughs> <laughs> like, no explanation. It's just Hannibal again. But no, you're right. I would say, I mean, isn't it also the principal, it's the same actor from, he was in First Avenger, right? Yeah, and I guess, like, so, canonically, it's supposed to be, like, his grandson or something like yeah, that. Yeah, well, like, it's got, yeah, he's got, like, his picture on the wall, and, you know, I mean, we can talk about First Avenger completely writing over the fact that we had Japanese internment camps, <laughs> but there were Japanese units that's, that served, oddly enough. Um, there wasn't the uh, multicultural group that... uh Captain America assembles, and uh, if you're going to do that, I wish they would have at least made a point about that in First Avenger. First Avenger, great first act. Mm. Probably the best Marvel ever did, and then then you can just leave. I, I like the cast of kids a lot in this, too. Oh, no, no, this is a, a very well-cast film. Um, I love the best friend in this. I didn't realize that was a character I needed in these Spider-Man movies. Yeah, like, my my big wish... Not, like, demand or anything like that. Like, I, I try not to be one of those people, and I'm sure I come across that way at some point. But Oh, you whatever. do. Don't worry. Yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my big initial wish is that, like, I just want one story where Peter Parker doesn't tell anyone. Because secret identities kind of aren't, like, a thing. So I was concerned about his first appearance, right? And mm-hmm. uh, And obviously that lasted, like, 20 minutes 
in the movie, but I was really surprised by that too. Like, I believe all these people have like a, a real friendship, like an authentic relationship on screen with him and his classmates, whether or not they like each other is irrelevant. Like, I believe all these people exist at some point in time, which is nice, you know, like the lowest possible bar, but I like seeing well, so- them. I like visiting them. I like that this feels like an update on, like, what the loser nerd character is, you know? Because mm-hmm. we've come a long way since the 60s where if you were, there really was, like, a divide between, like, losers and popular people. <laughs> like, there was much more of a prominent divide. And then now it's like, you know, there's, like, everything is so niche. You, there's, like, very rarely, like, an absolute loser in school unless you're, like, in, like, small towns. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, it would make more sense if he's in a big city that he would, like, you know, that this high school looks a lot more like my high school growing up, you know? Yeah. And there's that weird stretch of like, cause usually you have older filmmakers making movies about high school, which I mean, not that they don't hear, but a lot of the time you get the sense that like, oh, they're projecting what they experienced in high school. And it's like 20 years ago. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, you, you can always tell it's just, it just doesn't feel authentic, you know? Like, well, it's also, like, every high school movie in the 80s had, like, a 50s greaser in it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, had, like, was not a thing. Yeah. So, like, and I really got that with, uh, like, luckily the spider, the Raimi Spider-Mans, they're only in high school for, like, two minutes, so you can't really <laughs> judge it. But, uh fucking amazing spider-man like that felt there was a lot of that where it's like you could tell they didn't get they don't get kids <laughs> they but like they get tr- anything yeah i was like how do you do fellow kids but here it's like you know he's not like a complete loser he's just kind of like you know a dork and but he's got friends so yeah like that that's that's something i'm always interested in too like watching peter's group of friends like grow over time too you know and like I guess the Marvel comics are really kind of like long melodramas in yeah. a way where like the relationships change and uh, whether or not they become like superheroes, supervillains, or just like other people in the world. They all go through drastic changes throughout their lives and with each other. And the Marvel movies have an opportunity to show that because apparently they want to do like nine Spider-Man movies, which I'm kind of all for. Because uh, I like Spider-Man and I'll just, if, that's my curse. It would be cool if they if they did it and they kept this group through all nine of them. That's what I really, really want. Like. More than anything. And honestly, Spider-Man's in a good position because I think because he's still not, te- he's like, he won't be owned by Marvel. Like, unless they just outright buy him. Like, if, if Sony puts him up for sale, which they probably won't. Um, unless Sony shuts down, which is a thing that's been talked about. Like, it could always happen, but I think that divide, I think Marvel's always going to be a little cagey with making his movies, like, a central part of the Marvel Universe, you know? And I think Mm -hmm. that'll end up benefiting the films in the long run. Like, he'll always be reacting to stuff that happened in other films, but he won't be, like, setting up tons of future installments, other than his own films. Because there's, like, some setup here, but there wasn't, like, you know, he wasn't trying to get an Infinity Stone this whole movie. Yeah, which oh my god, that was so refreshing. Not not the Infinity Stone stuff directly, just like there's there's an arms dealer around New York that's causing havoc because selling weapons is bad. Well, it's literally like it literally. This movie goes, hey, remember that when aliens attack New York? What if someone got a hold of that technology and used it for evil? 
And that's mm-hmm. like a real simple setup. And it's one that you really, you don't even totally need to see the other movie to get. Because they set it up very well in the beginning. And I think that's what these movies should be more. Like, I feel like Marvel, if they were smarter, they would make a story that connected from each Avengers film. But then the independent superhero films would just react to those Avengers films, you know? I think that would mm-hmm. be more interesting, but they don't. Yeah. Like, I don't, e- I don't even need them all to react. Like, honestly, my, my ideal version of, like, a Marvel movie sequel, or at least, like, standalone narrative, so to speak, is, uh, like, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Not just because I love that movie, but um, it's like, yeah, stuff happened in the first movie, but this is kind of its own thing. Everything that happens in that movie correlates to that movie in well, particular. It's also, but it's also a natural extension of where they were at the end of the first movie. Yeah, like I have a, a good friend who who uh, hadn't who still hasn't seen the first movie. They just randomly joined me and some other friends to watch Guardians of the Galaxy two because I wouldn't shut the fuck up about it when it first came out. Um, and he was like, "Hey, I want to see the first one really bad now because he really liked it." He still hasn't. So, Peter, if you're listening to this, uh, I I still have it on Blu-ray. Let's check it go. out. You'll like it. Um, but 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 even when I say when I say react, I don't mean like like, a direct plot point, but, you know, like, just that the events of that movie, like, that's a setup for, oh, how's... Because, you know, it'd be interesting if a big event, you have, like, a big event movie, right? And then these little movies are like, well, how does that character respond to that big... Like, how is their life different now that they've gone through that big event? To me, like, that's why Iron Man 3, I think, works very well. Because a lot of that movie's about how does he deal with the post-Avengers fallout. I, I really like the opening in terms of, like, setting a tone where he's doing, like, the video diaries. And, like, we so we kind of get to relive the uh, Civil War stuff, even so if we didn't see it, right? Um, mm-hmm. But it's also weird where it's like, like, oh, man, I just saw something crazy. The one guy did this, and then I, I grabbed Cap Shield, and, uh, like, and it's, like, funny. And then yeah. I'm also like, um... <laughs> Don Cheadle's gonna be crippled by the end of this. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's uh... like... <laughs> just... Alright. Um, but you know what? If I have to watch that airport fight again, and I only have two options... <laughs> I'll just... Yeah, I'll stick with Homecoming. But we should also we should also point out um, a big addition to this film. One thing that kind of, ch- it, it might fundamentally change the Spider-Man character in a way we ha- we definitely haven't seen on the big screen and in a way that might upset some fans, which is that um, a character from another film is brought in to be uh, his father figure, a surrogate father. And uh, of course I'm talking about John Favreau as Happy Hogan. I just feel like I could be doing more. Wait a minute. You guys aren't the real Avengers. Hulk gives it away. New move I'm working on. Not bad. God, this feels so strange. These weapons are crazy dangerous. Listen, Peter, there are people who handle this sort of thing. Can't you just be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man? Let go of me, let go of me. I just want to say, I love Favreau in this. Really quick, just for Matt again and the listeners, I will not be referencing anything from Far From Home. I'm talking about Homecoming as if I have not seen that movie yet. But I will say that I really love Favreau too. 
a lot. Um, I this is like there's a whole mess of issues we we talk about with the Marvel movies, but I've I think it's really touching that he's kind of the guy that he's the reason that the, these things even got off the ground in a big way, and that he's still just hanging around with everyone. That that's that's nice to me, and I really like that he's just very frustrated uh, with the situation that Tony puts him in. Like one of his opening things where he's talking. Uh, or when Tony's talking to Peter in the back of the car, or like when they're dropping him off at his aunt's. See, Happy is, is hoping to get bumped up to asset management. He was for head of security, and before that he was just a driver. It was a private conversation. I don't like joking about this. It was hard for me to talk to you about. Favreau always brings, like, this energy with him that I really enjoy just in films in general. Because he used to, like, pop up in weird shit. Because, <laughs> like, like he, did, he did Swingers... And then he was just, like, all over the place for a little bit. Like, he did Zathura, which is, like, what the fuck? <laughs> which I like Zathura, <laughs> but it's, like, that's an interesting... Like, I, it's just weird to think of Jon Favreau being, like, yeah, I want to do Zathura. Or even, <laughs> even it's weird to think about him doing, like, I want to do Elf, you know? And then, Yeah, oh, I love and Elf. And then he was, like, I'm going to make a movie that's going to change the direction of Hollywood filmmaking for the next decade. <laughs> That will leave a seismic impact that, like, the industry will be fundamentally changed forever from this point on. And then he goes to make Cowboys and Aliens. Oh, yeah. And he's like, I just did that to get my dream project off the ground, which is <laughs> Cowboys and Aliens. And then I made Chef for, like, $5 million. Yeah. Like, yeah he's got the most interesting film director's it's career. all over the place. But I love it because it seems like, you know, the genius is the one most like himself. He does whatever he wants. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and now, I mean, now he's, he did Jungle Book, which I actually really liked. Um, and he's doing Lion King, which, um, you know. I'm sure other people will really like. A lot of people, I, I think one person will really like it. But, uh, hey, if that's what he wants to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's something that the trailers aren't showing. I doubt <laughs> it. But. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I got nothing on that. I, nope, not touching that one. Um, uh, but no, also in this film is, of course, Iron Man, Tony Stark. Which was the big selling point of this movie. Like, that was, Sony was like, how are we going to save this? Fucking put Iron Man in it. And I mean, yeah. You almost like, get the feeling they wanted to call the movie Iron Man 4 with Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a big concern for me going in. Yeah. I was horrified. I was like, please, please don't. Oh, it was, yeah, because he was like all over all the trailers, and he was like every poster, he was like bigger than Spider-Man on like half the posters. Oh man, I gotta, I gotta talk about the posters eventually. I'll save that mm. for Far From Home, because the posters, yeah. that that's a later discussion to have there. Um, I think, alright, I gotta, I gotta talk about something. We're gonna talk about the posters now, sorry. Alright, fine. Because the, because marketing. I have a beef with marketing departments. They suck? They suck, but what annoys me, because, like, so many films, we hear about how movies don't get made because they can't market them, right? Mm-hmm. Fuck you, it's your job. <laughs> like, can you imagine, like, if you went to John Williams, be like, do a score for this movie, and he's like, I don't see it, I can't do a score for it. It's like, fuck you, like, get another, <laughs> then we get another component, like... I don't understand how marketing has such power in Hollywood where they're like, where they can just say, we can't market this. No, that's your job. You're supposed to market it. 
market the fucking movie. I, I just, it annoys me so much. And I think for the poster thing, uh, poster art is like basically a lost art at this point. Yeah. Uh, there, there are some standout ones every once in a while throughout any given year, but like for the YouTube viewers, uh, there's the Homecoming poster, there's the Far From Home poster. Uh, and those are like the premier posters. Those are the ones that they're like, this is the official movie poster for audiences. And um, they're they're the worst. Mm-hmm. They, they've, they're so bad. Uh, even the Amazing Spider-Man movies, as much as I'll talk about them, uh, not terrible posters. Some terrible <laughs> ones. Some definitely some terrible ones. But, you know, there's like the occasional ones like, yeah. Hang that in my room if I was like twelve, you know, like, <laughs> some neat stuff. But you know, they were stylized in a way that was enjoyable. I kind of just like that all of them, even the Raimi ones. A lot of those posters were just like, it's just Spider Man, <laughs> and then you're like, yeah, and but yeah, I don't know. Like these, these last two like exist somewhere in between, <laughs> which just makes it weird. Like. But it's also like I get I kind of get why cuz like posters just don't matter like they used to back in the day. You know? Yeah. Like back in the day you'd like you'd be you'd be going with your friends to the fucking movie theater and you'd look up on the wall and there would just be the bat symbol and you're like, "Oh fuck, he's back." <laughs> and then now it's like you know you like you've been hearing for months how like every little detail about a movie cuz there's fucking panel shows that just won't shut the fuck up about them. <laughs> Ask questions about like what does this mean for the MCU and all that. Nonsense. What does Spider Man Homecoming mean for the MCU? Yeah, that's my headline. Is, is Tony Stark's death going to impact the Iron Man franchise? Wait, he's dead. The world's changing, boys. It's time we change too. This is my chance to prove myself. We have a Spanish quiz. You gotta get better at this part of the job. I don't understand. I'm intimidating. But uh, I guess we should go back to Tony Stark really quick because that was the big concern for me. Uh, And I wound up really liking it in this one. Again, it's because of how they introduced the character. So I was able to be like, yeah, you kind of needed to touch on this if you did that in the last movie. So let's let's see this He's also barely in the movie. Yep. Like I think the worry was... Maybe 10 minutes of screen time? I think the worry was it was going to be like a buddy film with those two. And then like it, it, people were expecting what Thor Ragnarok ended up being with Thor and Hulk, which it worked there, you know? Yeah. But yeah. here it's like, no, Spider-Man, especially for his first movie in this universe, <laughs> needed to be able to carry it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I like they have one action scene together and it's like barely, you know, it's not like them being like, hey, on your right, like like a comedic action scene. It's like a very like, I'm coming to clean up your mess, Spider-Man. Yeah, which that that's when I knew like okay, I'm I feel like I can relax for the rest of the movie now cuz even though I was enjoying it up to that point with the boat scene, um I felt way more comfortable after that. I was like, "All right. Is there the any off my shoulders?" Is there any info out there about how much they paid Robert Downey and how much how many days of work he had to do on this? I have no idea because there's a lot of Iron Man suit stuff and there's very little Tony Stark yeah. stuff. But that's a so. general thing which is all the Marvel movies at this point <laughs> where they just keep putting him in the suit so they don't have to have him on set. <laughs> uh, but it, to me it was like – because there's a couple scenes in it where it feels like 
they had to shoot around the fact that like he they only had him for like four days. <laughs> and I'm willing to bet. Honestly, I'm willing to bet some of the Happy Hogan stuff in this was originally written for Robert Downey Jr. And then they were like, Robert Downey Jr. only wants to work one week. And so they just, they, they gave Hogan more stuff. And you know what? Uh, just to Robert Downey Jr.'s credit, like, that he's king of the world now, um, mm-hmm. that, oh, that, that's that's good for him, you know? Yeah, yeah, but it's also like, I, I gotta give him credit because he doesn't, like, even though he's, like, not really in it, he doesn't phone it in, you know? Yeah, oh, God, like it, that's the one thing uh, about these Marvel movies. The casts are always really good. Robert Downey Jr., like, people were calling after Endgame, like, oh, nominate him for Best Actor. And usually I'd kind of turn my nose up at those things. I gotta be honest, just because we're talking about a Marvel movie and I want to bring that up, uh, I I wouldn't, like, cry bloody murder if that happened. He He's very good in all of these. He, honestly, I would, I would uh, if you can, like, nominate stuff for, like, it's just cultural importance, I would say, yeah, I would give, I would be cool with him getting a nomination. Just to be like, yeah, you're the guy. Yeah. <laughs> you changed Hollywood. I'm not saying for better or worse. I'm not saying for better or worse yet. But, you know, and as a guy who, like, no one believed in, uh, like, 15 years ago. It's like, oh, you're the third lead in a fucking movie about a serial killer? Who gives a shit? Like... <laughs> oh, God, like, I was watching, like, I watched uh, Good Night and Good Luck a little while ago and he's like sixth build in it <laughs> and it's like that just wouldn't happen now you know yeah and unfortunately i wish like he he was could find the time to do projects he likes or maybe just doesn't he, you get the fact that he's also kind of a guy who doesn't really like hollywood <laughs> so he, he doesn't he only does projects he wants to do because but he's doing that fucking dr doolittle movie that's supposed to be a disaster yeah um, we we won't talk about that one. That's uh, hey, I'm looking forward to it. And I think the big thing that really sold me by the end of the film, because uh, fucking this movie, you know what it's about by this point, um, is that it's not about him trying to be like. like it, it is about Peter Parker trying to be an Avenger, but it's a, ultimately a story about him getting grounded and realizing that uh, there's more to life than just the superhero stuff he's he's got like his own thing he needs to worry about and like that the vulture kind of has a point that yeah no one looks out for the little guy mm-hmm. and so that being like the, the drive of his story like realizing that like yeah maybe i don't need to spend all my time chasing that avenger stuff and like if we're looking at it from like that john hughes angle uh or like the 80s teenage comedy angle which this is very clearly inspired by by yeah. every interview ever given by the cast and crew <laughs> wish it was um, a little more uh, fast times at ridgemont high than john hughes but that's just me yeah, yeah. um but i guess you can't have an abortion subplot in these type of movies no <laughs> no you should not uh, <laughs> i'm not gonna say anything that would be killer though wouldn't it <laughs> like if they just went for it like right now especially considering the current political climate I I would love it. Uh, they would never work again in Hollywood, but yeah, I but would hey, love it. hey, Fast Times was a big hit. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so, but anyways, could... I was saying like, if the Avengers are like the cool <laughs> kids of the Marvel universe, it makes sense for Peter Parker to be like, oh, I got, I got to be one of those guys. I got, I got to do that, and then realizing that, well, I got, we've all got our own problems, and my my problems are a little more relevant to like 
humanity. You, well, know? You, gotta, you know, you, you got to help yourself before you can help others. Others, you know. Yeah, and I, it's a simple story, but I, I like that a lot. I, I was very touched by that direction. That I don't think fun. I've talked enough about the supporting cast in this film. No, let's let's go back to it because they're all great. And I wish I had written some notes down so I could have the actors' names on hand. <laughs> I will say uh, Zendaya as Zendaya. MJ. I know her. I know. Yes. Yeah. Um, she's great in this. She's so good. And my big frustration with her character is that she's not in this enough. She's very much comedic relief in this one. She is, but I, honestly, I, I, she ends up being like someone where it's like, I think they use her the right amount. I would say. Um, I'm hoping without you saying anything and don't fucking even hint. No, no, I won't won't even reply. Just move on to the next subject after you're done. She has a bigger role in the next film. Yeah, I think, I think the right amount here, and you know, they reveal at the end that she's MJ, which is nice. Um, and I'm cool with that. No, no, me too. I honestly just wish the scene played out a little better. Something about the way it plays doesn't really land for me. What's weird for that is that it's very much like, uh, my friends call me MJ. Like, that feels like a Marvel moment. And yeah. I mean that as a negative. <laughs> Whereas earlier in this film, when it's revealed that the vulture is the one uh, girl's father. Liz Allen, yes. Yeah, Liz Allen. It was like a genuine twist. Like, you know what? Fucking major. This is why this is like a really good Marvel movie. And even like a good just general movie movie. Because um, I remember the theater reaction when that oh, happened. Oh, yeah. Like everyone, everyone's kind of like universally feeling the, the emotion and the movements of the movie, you know? Like uh, Peter Parker down down in the dumps right now because Iron Man's pissed at him, rightfully so. Uh, well, oh, Aunt May's going to help him get ready for, for prom or homecoming or whatever the fuck. It's the title of the movie. And then, all right, this will be a nice cute scene. And then, holy shit, that's the vulture. <laughs> like, that was a lot of fun. Motherfuck the theater's reaction. Fucking, I felt my own reaction because I was like, <laughs> "Holy shit!" And I think Completely it works. I think blindsided. the reason. I think the reason it really works is because you don't realize there's a twist in this movie. Like, there's never any indication that like there's something be- like hidden information. You just think the vulture's this villain. <laughs> like, there's never any indication that there's more to him than what we're seeing. <laughs> and then it's just like boom. Um. Although she's Liz Allen, why is he Adrian Toomes? Oh, I guess he's Liz Toomes here. Okay. Yeah. All right. That but the sense. character is supposed to be that iteration, I guess. But man, is that was that like, oh wow, this is an actual movie. Yeah. <laughs> which is something which you can watch a three-hour Marvel film apparently and never have that feeling. <laughs> um, I definitely didn't feel it when they. Talk, they suddenly changed how the soul stone worked. Yeah. <laughs> or just give up any life, not someone you love, because it's now con- inconvenient. <laughs> Although, what happens when you put a soul stone back? Oh no, see, they they uh, they can put the, the stones back at the exact time they took them, and not run into themselves when they took them, because then, uh... Y- uh you well, know? No, here's, here's where that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Sorry, let's just talk about that for a second. So, <laughs> they they talk about how the, the time travel they have, they aren't, you know, if you go back in the past, it won't change events, right? Right. Um, which is a theory about time, that's like an actual theory about time travel. Um, but we should mention that there's like so little science behind time travel <laughs> that <laughs> these conversations don't matter. But anyway, 
So they're really jumping the parallel universes, right? Yeah. How do they know to get back to the specific universe they took the stones from? Well... My friends are up there! What are you hiding, Peter? I'm just kidding, I don't care. Bye. I didn't like the scene where they're like, let's just list every time travel movie. <laughs> Get it? Because they're aware of it, and that makes it okay when they do it. That's another thing I'll say about this movie. There's like, there's some of that here, but there's a lot less of that type of humor in this movie. Yeah, like, like there's the scene where it's like, oh, it's kind of like Ferris Bueller, and then they show Ferris Bueller. It's like, it, too much. Right there, it was but, a little too much. It's a little too much, but what I really like is that he doesn't go... Eh, Ferris, like, he says cool movie, but there isn't a scene where someone's like, I was running through a backyard like I'm fucking Ferris Bueller. Like, yeah, like which, every movie jokes like that nowadays. Like, I'm glad it was more like, oh, movie, where they're watching it and then it happens. Like, that's a step up. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a couple jokes, like, you know what's, a, you know what's something I realized I hate in movies? Hmm. We need to stop middle-aged white men from writing woke jokes because it's like the worst i'm trying to think are you talking about the mj stuff or? well no like no mj's actually pretty good in this it's like there's a yeah, couple I was, gonna, moments. I was gonna say i was like all right i got my fighting fists on there was a, I, i'm probably thinking because i was watching something else where like there was someone being like like they the, the woman just goes like i'm an intersectional feminist and that's like the punchline. <laughs> And I was like, what? I don't know. It's like some, it's something that's starting to bug. Like, I'm not saying don't have those type of jokes. I'm definitely not saying that. I'm just saying get actual diverse people to write them. Mm -hmm. We do something. They do something in Hollywood called punch up where they just bring in random people to punch up jokes behind the scenes. Like, you can do that and, like, aim for diversity. <laughs> Dan you know? Harmon did that for Doctor Strange. Why? <laughs> it, I don't know. It didn't work either, so. It didn't at all. Yeah. I would like, I mean, say what you will, I would like Dan Harmon to write a superhero movie. That could be something. Yeah. Just. Not, not saying give, it'd be give good. Him, give him restraints, because there's like community Dan Harmon, and then there's like Rick and Morty Dan Harmon. Yeah, but I, I wonder how much of my hate of Rick and Morty now is like the culture around it. Uh, I'm 50-50, because like, when that show works, fuck, it works, but like. Yeah. But, like, when I when I saw that kid do the Pickle Rick thing <laughs> in the in the fucking whatever, it was like a Burger King or something, or a McDonald's. Oh, yeah. Like, if I, had, if, that, if I was behind the wheel of a car, I would have just driven off the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> that was enough. Um, oh, you know who I really like in this? Uh, Tony Revolori is Flash Thompson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm actually okay with Flash Thompson not being, like, blonde, uh, blue-eyed, six-foot-tall jock. Yeah. Uh, I, kind of, I kind of like that image against Peter Parker, but I love Tony Revolori. Like, honestly, he was my pick for Spider-Man. He would make a good Spider-Man, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I like that he's in it, at least, and I, I like that um, how, he, how he plays off peter here i'm not i wasn't crazy about like all the like uh penis parker jokes like that one yeah that joke was a little like but you know what i remember high school 
A lot of very uh, uncreative people, but they got laughs because of their position. <laughs> I mean, what do you think I'm doing? What do you think I'm doing on this show? <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell them. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, the part where he did get me though was at the party where he goes, "When I say penis, you say Parker penis Parker." That I was like, "Okay, that's kind of funny," but yeah, whatever. That's my caveman brain activating again. Uh. And I like—I mean, even the kids that have like three lines in this, I, I found funny. Um, and I hey, I like fucking Betty Brent. Yeah, uh, Angori Rice from the Nice Guys. Oh yeah! Oh god, that's who that is. You're right. I I should have mm-hmm. looked that up. Yeah, no, I, I the Nice Guys is amazing and a much better movie than this. Oh uh, yeah, but hey, I'm glad she got some work. Yeah, no, me, me, me too, me too. Um, I like that they they bring all these kids back basically for the next one. That's not a spoiler, so you can't get mad yeah, either. Yeah, I'm not I'm not mad at that. I am glad okay. that those kids are back. Yeah, yeah. Um, except of course Liz Ellen, who moves at the end of this because her father is a criminal who's responsible for like dozens if not hundreds of deaths yeah peter saved the day but he also ruined his friend's life yeah (laughs) which is a really interesting way to end a film about you know high schoolers that that i'm very happy about because it's not an easy resolution Mm -hmm. this is i'm gonna get into a little bit of the more negative side of things now i don't think the movie hits peter hard enough i would agree with that but but it's his first time out i would say that the second one should do that yeah, you know, I, I would agree with that. Um, yeah. We'll see if it does, or I'll yeah, see who, if it does. No, who knows? Uh, who knows? Um, if I can talk about a negative, um, you thought not enough Zendaya. I'm going to say not enough uh, Marissa Tomei. That, May. that was going to be my big one right here. Uh, who is like great in like the two scenes she has? <laughs> She's great. Uh, I'm okay with the younger Aunt May. I like this is clearly like a more like updated Spider-Man. Like literally, just the way the kids act, the environment, the the literal age of the characters. Um, I'm very disappointed that she has like nothing to do in Homecoming. That's like there, there's no reason for her to be in that movie. Honestly, like there's there's offhand references where when Ned finds out. And he's like, May doesn't know, and he's like, I, with everything that's been going on lately, like, I can't tell her. She'll, she'll tell me, like, not to go back out there, and, like, and you're like he's worried about how it affects her. And it's like, like oh, they're oh, getting man, somewhere. This might go somewhere, and where it goes is one joke at the end of the film. Yeah. Which I do, I, I like that. Hmm. Leaves a lot of room to explore uh, potential stuff. Man, I did not like the tone of your voice right there. <laughs> well, I didn't say anything. I did not like that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. But, uh, I mean, the, the fact that, like, the movie does end up hitting him hard by the end, we're like, oh, like, and he still can't tell Liz he's Spider-Man, because then, like, she'll hate him even more. Mm-hmm. Like, she says, like, I hope you figure things out at the end. Um, she could have basically, like, spat in his face, and I would have been like, yeah, that's leaving her on the dance floor. Uh, oh yeah, the yeah. night her her father gets caught as a like international crimes dealer. Like, yeah, she was she's a little too forgiving of him um, for a girl who definitely shouldn't be fooling around with a schmo like Peter Parker. <laughs> yeah, yep. There's that thing again. Every every Spider Man story, like oh, slubby Peter Parker who has trouble talking to people. Here's the most attractive girl in school who's gonna spend all her time with him now for the rest of the movie. I mean, and I, again, I appreciate that they at least have like a. A relationship before the movie starts, like a friendship. 
and because they're both on that science team or whatever the fuck. Yeah, uh, yeah. I and I do like the the new iteration of of the romance here, like uh, stuff in the Amazing Spider-Man. Holy shit, it does not work. The Raimi stuff is very swooping melodrama, and let me just say that here, I like that it's. It's it's pretty standard stuff. Like you see it in like an average episode of New Girl or The Office, where it's like kind of awkward people who don't know how to talk to each other. Yeah. But I like it here. I wish it had leaned more into the like awkward high school nature of the thing, though. Like there's one scene early on where they're just staring at Liz from across the cafeteria, <laughs> and I find that funny just because it's like, oh, it's like weird. Yeah. <laughs> and like high school kids are weird. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know what the fuck is going on, and. But they never do more than that, you know? Mm-hmm. It's uh, like, it's everything's here in the movie. It just needs to go a little further. Yeah, that's. I would say that. And I think that the problem, are, you know, of course now is because of the MCU, They it does constrain movies like this. Because I would say that's a problem with even the Marvel films I really like. On, on more negatives, the action in this is like, it's either fine or... I can't really see what's happening because it's a fight in the sky through the clouds at night with a pulsating invisible jet. The last fight is really bad. Yeah. But I will say that what saves the action in this movie from being super bland is that most of the action scenes tend to be about more than just the fight. Yeah, there, there's like, like a point to there's them. There's a point to them, um, which the Amazing Spider-Man films should have taken fucking note of. Yeah. Um, but... Like, you know, and, and there's usually something creative going on, like when Spider-Man gets his new suit, so he gets to try out the powers, um, yeah. which is also a moment that, like, could have totally backfired on this film, and they made it work, mm-hmm. where he gets, like, the upgraded Spider-Man suit. Which, uh, honestly, yeah. I I was concerned about, again, with along with Tony Stark stuff, like, Peter Parker's a street-level guy, working class, this, this might take away, like, what makes him... Sp- Spider-Man, even if you're doing, like, a totally different iteration of the character, I feel like some things are intrinsic to Spider-Man and Peter Parker that you kind of can't do without them, you know? Like, not having Uncle Ben in this doesn't break the movie for me, which is surprising. Because um, I, I like how they, like, hint at that, too. I was thinking about that, because they don't even, they really don't even, like, touch on Uncle Ben. Like, you can imply things, like when uh the guy, Aaron Davis, uh... Childish Gambino almost gets shot, and then Peter Parker comes down and says, "If you're gonna shoot anyone, shoot me, shoot me." And it's like the implication I got was that, like, oh, that's like that Peter Parker guilt still. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, like that I liked, and and I'm I'm totally cool with how they handled it. And again, I was I was like pulling my hair out opening night, like, please don't fuck this up, please don't fuck this up. Uh, And I don't I don't think they did mostly. Yeah, well, who was the voice of the suit? I just forgot that. Um. Oh, um. Jennifer Conley. Yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. the great underappreciated Jennifer Conley, who's married to another longtime voice actor of the MCU, uh, Paul Bettany. Hey, I, I like that. Along with the Favreau thing, I'm like, okay, that's that's fucking adorable, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. that little like intersection there. Um, Although this could have taken a weird direction, if it like turned into her, but it's with the fucking suit. <laughs> <laughs> No, for like, there's a line um, when when this Spider-Man's stuck in like that shield facility for a second, which is probably yeah. the most boring part of the movie to me. I just I don't. No, I don't you know what I that. like. I like that. You know what I like about it? 
I'll say, and this is why I think the suit with the more powers work, is what, what Tom Holland brings to this character is that he's he's actually really excited about being Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And it makes the audience excited about Spider-Man. Yeah. and, and the, So him just like fucking around being like, what does this do? What does that do? Like, I thought that was like really endearing. Because that's like what you would do. <laughs> no, I, I like I like all that stuff. Just that section of the movie kind of disinterests me. What do you, what do you yeah, mean I guess section? Not what I look for. What, what do you this. mean section? Uh, after he he confronts the shocker and gets stuck in that that cargo truck, and then he wakes up and he has to like kind of MacGyver his way out of it. Like I'm fine with that as an idea. I I don't care for it in this movie. I don't know. I really like it, that part. Right. Yeah, it, it it definitely doesn't do it for me, but it leads into maybe the high point of, I guess, quote-unquote action of the movie at the Washington Monument. That scene, I think, is really good. Oh, hey, a superhero actually saves people. Yeah, who'd have thunk it? <laughs> yeah, it's only been, like, eight years. <laughs> um, but yeah, I that, that one, genuinely pretty tense. Uh, it's fun to see him kind of, like, have to figure out how to go about, like, smashing through the glass. He has to, um, it's a, he has to solve the problem, he has to figure it out, and then it's like, there's there's a mix of comedy and tension. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's really, you know, and then the build-up to it, of course, of fucking Ned bringing the thing on the fucking elevator. Yeah, oh, and I, I, even Ned, how he has this little arc, like, it's nothing, again, nothing profound, he's just like, oh, can I be your guy in the chair? And then by the end, he's, like, able to do that. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, that got a big cheer. I'll never. I'll, I'll remember that uh, opening. I guess what too. I'm going to say this: combine Infinity War and Endgame. The best part of that movie is Ned. <laughs> He's in it for like two seconds. <laughs> seeing him again at the end of Endgame, and seeing him for the first time in Infinity War, where he like, "We're all going to die." Gonna die. Yeah, <laughs> that made me happy. I no, it's unfortunate though. The end of Endgame implies that yeah, he did die. <laughs> <laughs> And what happens next? Tune in an episode from now. Cause, or actually in two episodes, because the next one's not about Far From Home. It's actually about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, son. You thought there was a lot of Spider-Man talk before. Wait for six of them. <laughs> there were six Spider-Man movies before Spider-Verse. And it's going to be the seventh one we talk about. Oh boy, I don't care. <laughs> oh, you know it's it's that's what we call full circle, Matthew. Those Lord Miller guys think up a lot of shit. Yeah, and somehow they they all work. Somehow they make movies that are coherent. <laughs> Unless you hand it off to Ron Howard halfway through. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no offense to Ron Howard, who seems like a very nice person. I love Ron Howard, and I don't love Solo, and that's okay because. I don't think Spider-Man Homecoming is a great movie, but I love it too. Yeah. I, I think it's a very good movie. I think this is just like, it's the one where it's like, if I'm gonna, if I have to pick like four Marvel movies to watch, because I don't even think I could find five, <laughs> um, this would be one of them. I would enjoy revisiting this one, like fairly regularly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's up there for me. It's effortlessly charming, wonderful, fulfilling. Uh, prove me wrong about pairing up Spider-Man with another character. And I really feel like Spider-Man could go anywhere. 
after this movie. Will he? You'll have to find out because you haven't seen the fucking movie yet. I'm, <laughs> I can't I'm, say anything. To, I'm, I'm just trying to get it, see if I can get anything out of you. Do you want to? No. <laughs> I don't even be tweet. I'm going to delete all my tweets, my, my letterbox posts. I have seen. I have seen some of your posts, so I do kind of okay. know how you feel. Okay. But it's funny to pretend I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's um, all right. Uh, you brought up wanting to talk about the Spider-Man musical. Well, I will bring up about possibly talking about the Spider-Man video game. Will we? I don't know. Who knows? We got a lot of other shit we want to do. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Somehow we have to work in fucking a freak like me needs company from the (laughs) Spider-Man musical. On that note, Matt, thank you for joining me again. Welcome back. It feels to be back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Where can the people find you? I'm at EmperorOTN at Twitter.com and Patreon and YouTube, and hopefully I will have something up soon. <laughs> I have I have something I'm working on, and uh, it won't be what anyone is expecting. <laughs> or maybe I it's exactly you. what you'll expect. Maybe you have very low opinions of me. I don't know. I, I believe in you. But if you want to find stuff... To check out, check out the Waffle Press YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Patreon, where I'm I'm sharing some of my own writings when I revisit a movie. I'll probably be writing about it there uh, before I post it on my own blog or Letterboxd or Medium or whatever the fuck. I don't know. I need I need to put more stuff on there because these episodes are taking longer than I I hoped they would. So <laughs> fuck it, go go check that out. I'm gonna oh, watch. Oh jeez, I'm sorry for having a medical emergency. No, not, not Jesus, that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I meant on my own end, not because of you. <laughs> Holy shit, no. You, you ableist motherfucker. <laughs> I'm fucking taking me three weeks to walk again, you fuck. <laughs> uh, so thanks for listening. Thanks I was for in pain for days. And I'm like, but at least Diego has faith in me. Somewhere out there, he's waiting. Nope. Like a motherfucker. We've been professionally unprofessional. <laughs> Asshole. There's a ton of other subsystems in here, but they're all disabled by the training wheels protocol. I'm sick of Mr. Stark treating me like a kid. But you are a kid. Yeah, a kid who can stop a bus with his bare hands. Oh!